And opening our program for this week, that was Lou Hai from Winnipeg with a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Tizhimena Pidmanula, You Deceived Me. 
Dobri večer, šenovni radio suhači tabitaju vas vsih na radio predaču Naš holos radio Krinskoho korenja, katera podjeci vam jak svečanost što subote o šosti hodeni na bahatomovni radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB u misti Vancouveri. Pri mikrofoni Pavlina Makori, djakuju što rišala per bute zimnoju nastupnu hodenu. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Paula Demchuk-McCory, Pukinitske Pavina, and on this week's show we've got uh, Ukrainian Jewish heritage, and we'll be talking about the Pale of Settlement, uh, something that I spent a lot of time researching so that I could understand what it was all about and share that information with you as well. We've also got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next, we're taking another step down memory lane, and this is Dumka from 1982-ish, <laughs> from their vinyl recording Soundscape and Zvitsa Hora. Nem 
weekend passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival 2022 are now available for only $110. Don't miss the very best in Ukrainian culture, food, music, and dancing on August Long Weekend in Dauphin, Manitoba. Visit Canada's National Ukrainian Festival on Facebook for featured entertainment. For only $110, early bird weekend passes are now available for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival 2022 in Dauphin, Manitoba. By phone at 204-622-4600 or online at cnuf.ca. Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada, which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. group called Hrushchi with a song called Pavuchok, which means spider. And now, Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. 
discovering unknown and untold stories from the past and present of Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage. This is Paulina, producer and host of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. In this episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage, we'll be discussing the Pale of Settlement. Most Jews in the Diaspora can trace their ancestry to the Pale of Settlement. But what exactly is the Pale of Settlement? It's a term that often comes up when reading about or researching the history of Jews in Eastern Europe. Obviously, it's a territory where Jews lived and were in fact confined to live within. But where exactly was it? Who created it and why? And what was it like to live in the Pale of Settlement? Well, in answer to those questions, to say it's complicated is a bit of an understatement. So let's take a look at some historical data to uncomplicate it a bit. The Pale of Settlement was an area of 25 provinces in Tsarist Russia. It was established by Empress Catherine II of Russia, also known as Catherine the Great, in 1791. You could perhaps say it was an unintended consequence of the partitions of Poland. That was a sad and troubling period of history for this once large and formidable empire. Since before the time of Christ, Jews had lived in this area where they intermarried with, and eventually converted, the Khazar people. But the main migration of Jews into the area began much later. In the early 1300s, the Polish King Casimir III opened the doors to Jews who were being expelled from Western Europe. They settled into what eventually became the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, an empire that stretched from what is modern-day Belarus to as far as Kiev and eventually to the Black Sea. This invitation could be considered an attempt to import a middle class, which was virtually non-existent in these regions. For the most part, Jews coexisted peacefully with the other inhabitants of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, which, as well as Poles and Lithuanians, included Ukrainians, Belarusians, and others. Initially, Jews were under royal protection and enjoyed communal autonomy, but over time they became as oppressed as Poland's Christian subjects. Jews were forbidden to own land, so to survive, many became agents for the increasingly corrupt and cruel Polish nobility. By the mid-16th century, Poland-Lithuania held the principal population of Jews in Europe. While politically the empire was relatively enlightened, it was still, nonetheless, a feudal society. Day-to-day life was wretched and hopeless for the serfs and for the Jews. In the mid-17th century, Jews in Ukrainian lands were caught in the crossfire of peasant uprisings against the Polish nobility and the Catholic Church. Hundreds of thousands of Jews perished in brutal pogroms, some 700 Jewish communities were destroyed, and untold thousands fled the war-ravaged areas. At the end of it, part of the Ukrainian lands came under the control of Tsarist Russia. These uprisings took their toll, and by the mid-18th century, the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth was in deep financial trouble. It continued to weaken until eventually it was carved up between its three more powerful neighboring empires— the Habsburgs Austro-Hungarian Empire, the German Kingdom of Prussia, and Tsarist Russia. This dismemberment of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth was known as the Partitions of Poland, which took place in three stages from 1772 to 1795. As a result of this land grab, at the end of the 18th century, Russia found itself with the largest Jewish community in the world. But Jews had been banned in Russia since the 15th century, so there was no welcome for them, nor for their methods of doing business. Nevertheless, those methods enriched the royal coffers. The Russian Empress Catherine II needed a solution to incorporate this large new population into her empire. So on December 23, 1791, she created the Jewish Pale of Settlement, a territory where Jews were allowed to settle and pursue a wide range of economic activity. However, they were forbidden to move from these former Polish-Lithuanian provinces into the rest of the Russian Empire. Catherine resisted calls to expel the Jews or push them westward. Instead, she allowed them to remain where they were. She also expanded the Pale, slightly east and south, into left-bank Ukraine, which she had already destroyed politically and subsequently absorbed into her empire. 
The geographic territory of the Pale of Settlement encompassed parts of Lithuania, Belarusia, which is modern-day Belarus, and most of Ukraine. In the early 19th century, Russia continued to encroach on its neighbors and acquired much of northern Caucasus, Moldavia, now Moldova, and Crimea. The Pale likewise was expanded. To complicate matters, there was also an unofficial Pale. It consisted of ten provinces within the Kingdom of Poland. This kingdom was a puppet state Russia created in 1815 when it annexed more Polish lands. These ten provinces became known as the Vistula Provinces, or Congress Poland. Jews living in this area were subject to substantially different rules and regulations than their brethren within the Pale of Settlement. For example, Jews in the Kingdom of Poland could move freely between the Pale and the Kingdom. However, they too were barred from the Russian interior. To even further complicate matters, many Jews also lived in neighboring areas annexed by the two other empires during the partitions of Poland. But that's another story for another day. Living within the Pale of Settlement was initially beneficial for Jews. Although they were not granted full citizenship as in other areas of Europe, they were given extensive rights within the region. But the political climate in the empire was volatile and always uncertain. New restrictions were imposed on Jews, then eased, then re-established. Jewish life under Tsar Nicholas I was particularly harsh. During his reign from 1825 to 1855, he reduced the Pale of Settlement in size, introduced military conscription, rescinded Jewish rights to lease land and keep taverns, and abolished the communal self-management allowed to Jews in Poland. His successor, Alexander II, brought a relaxation of restrictions during his reign from 1855 to 1881. Some Jews were permitted to settle outside the Pale of Settlement, attend universities, and enter government service. Life worsened again for Jews after the assassination of Alexander II. Unfounded accusations of Jewish complicity in the assassination sparked a new round of pogroms. His successor, Alexander III, reimposed the old restrictions and added new ones. New laws restricted the movement of Jews, banned them from participating in local elections, limited the number of Jews allowed into universities and in certain professions, revoked their right to sell alcohol, and forbade them to conduct business on Sundays, among other things. The government sanctioned pogroms in which Jews were beaten or killed and their personal property destroyed. These pogroms were led by the Black Hundreds, an officially sanctioned reactionary group composed largely of civil servants. This hostile environment resulted in a mass ongoing immigration of Jews to Western Europe and the United States from the mid-19th century on. Yet despite the difficulties, the irrepressible Jewish spirit prevailed. Some amazing things happened in the Pale. Jews played a prominent role in the development of commerce and industry, and especially in the growth of major cities such as Kiev, Odessa, and Kharkiv. Charitable societies were established in the Pale and grew into a sophisticated welfare system for Jews. Yeshivas, religious schools once the preserve of the elite, sprang up and proliferated, including a school for girls. Literature and newspaper publishing thrived, and new religious movements such as Hasidism and Kabbalism emerged. The Pale of Settlement effectively ceased to exist during World War I when Jews fled en masse to escape invading German forces. But it officially ended in March of 1917. As its first order of business, Russia's provisional government, led by Alexander Kerensky, signed a decree establishing equality for all religions and ethnicities. The edict officially abolished the Pale of Settlement. This has been Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I hope you found this overview of the Pale of Settlement informative. I'm Pavlina, producer and host of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Until next time, Shalom. Join us again soon for another episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Thank you.
Kapelli, oi, wei, fettelli, und gebracht auf eine Kapelli, oi, wei, fettelli, und gebracht auf eine Kapelli. Ususita Kadamila, Ususita Jinkamila, Omedeni Katinkin, Nemashas, Nemajinkin, Omedeni Katinkin, Nemashas, Nemajinkin. Ukrainian Jewish duo composed of Michael Alpert and Julian Katasti from their album called Songs from a Neighboring Village that they made, oh, probably 20 years ago or so now, uh, but still very timeless. And that was a medley of a Yiddish and Ukrainian folk song. The Yiddish, I can't vouch for my pronunciation, I'll give it a try. Siz Gekimen, and the Ukrainian was Ususida Khatabila. Up next, from Edmonton, Millennia, from their most recent CD, Budmohe, here they are with Chorinamora Black Sea. Chorinamora, Chorinamora, Oh, 
This is CHMB AM 1320, Vancouver. Early bird weekend passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival 2022 are now available for only $110. Don't miss the very best in Ukrainian culture, food, music, and dancing on August long weekend in Dauphin, Manitoba. Visit Canada's National Ukrainian Festival on Facebook for featured entertainment. For only $110, early bird weekend passes are now available for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival 2022 in Dauphin, Manitoba. By phone at 204-622-4600 or online at cnuf.ca. From Montreal, that was a group called Privit, which translates as Welcome. And uh, the album uh, released uh, a year, a little over a year ago, I think, if my memory serves me, Nivse Menaya, and that translates as Not Everything Fades Away. And uh, it's a very apropos title because um, it's kind of like Privit has been around about as long as Nasholos, and we certainly haven't faded away yet. So... Um, 
Again, that was Privit from their CD Nefsemenaya. The song was Ni Projeti Pichalno i Prosto, and that translates as My Sad and Simple Days. Coming up next, a Canadian, Ukrainian, American <laughs> group from uh, currently in Toronto, but with roots in uh, the eastern seaboard of the United States. The group is called Korinya, and from their most recent album, Lisom. Here they are now with a cute song about a girl who is very lucky in love and just can't decide. The song is called Uperetike. Victor's Vignettes, stories about life in Soviet and post-Soviet Ukraine by Viktor Sergeyev of Nikolaev, Ukraine. I am Sergei Kaznagy in Toronto. All throughout my early years at school, I looked forward to studying American literature in 10th grade. How I would enjoy reading the English language works of such authors as Theodore Dreiser, Mark Twain and Jack London. I just couldn't wait to enjoy all the delicious things in store for me. Of course, you know it, things turned out much differently. When I entered 10th grade, I found, to my surprise and dismay, that the English literature course had been replaced with military translation. To make things worse, there were no specially trained teachers, no manuals, no textbooks, only a room with walls covered in posters and placards. Apparently, this hastily prepared course was the result of some mysterious emergency, but we were 16 years old and viewed it with pragmatism as well as enthusiasm. It was English, after all. And what, young boy does not find the military fascinating? Even the girls in our class were fascinated. Somehow, even dry technical and military details seemed interesting when presented in English. During the course, boys and girls alike learned things like how to assemble and dismantle AK-47 machine guns and how to put on gas filtration helmets dating back to World War I. Sure, we learned the course material well, but none of us considered it more than just a silly game and an easy credit. Those of us who took the course like to joke now that we know the American army as well as we know the Soviet army, which is to say, not well at all. We learned about how an army operates in theory, but as for practice, we would make poor soldiers in any army. 
although we did get a taste of army discipline. Our class facilitator constantly berated us for coming to class in jeans and for listening to rock music. Looking back over the years, I could never see the sense in studying this material. I can tell you the names and order of all the military ranks, how squads and platoons function, what the term intercontinental ballistic missile actually means, and lots of other absolutely useless information. Sure, it was fun, but we were just children, playing with some adult war games, with tanks, bombs and mines, and oddly enough, somehow we knew all along that the game had ended many years ago. Many years passed since that time, bringing along some rather unexpected events, the collapse of the USSR, the rise of an independent Ukraine, and most recently, our former Russian elder brother, damn him to hell, waging a very dirty war with Ukraine. Never in our wildest dreams could my classmates and I imagine such a thing actually happening in, in real life. I am Serhii Kaznadi in Toronto, Canada. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Victor's Vignettes, stories from the life of Viktor Sergeyev in Mykolaiv, Ukraine. For audio archives and links, visit www.nashholos.com. So until next time, do pobaczenia! Every day, more Ukrainian soldiers are killed or wounded by Russian invaders. You can help wounded heroes by joining the Adopt-A-Soldier program of registered charity Ukraine War Amps. A small monthly donation goes very far for medical services and living expenses and creates a special bond between you and a wounded hero. 100% of your contribution goes to the soldier. Please, adopt a soldier today. Visit ukrainewaramps.ca or find us on Facebook. Важко, важко в світі жити, сироті без роду, нема куди прихилиться, хоч згори та в воду, утопився б молоденький, щоб не нудить світо, утопився б тяжко жити, і нема де діти. Yeah.
and that was Alexei Kerekesha with the group Fata Morgana, uh, which is from the United States. And that song was Tiashko Vashko of Sviti Jete. And that translates as it is difficult to live in this world. Up next, another American-Ukrainian artist by the name of Andriana Knapp from her CD called Pisnyiz Domu, Songs from Home. Uh, here she is with a traditional Ukrainian folk song called Tamnahori Treyavore, Three Maples. for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival 2022 are now available for only $110. Don't miss the very best in Ukrainian culture, food, music, and dancing on August Long Weekend in Dauphin, Manitoba. Visit Canada's National Ukrainian Festival on Facebook for featured entertainment. For only $110, early bird weekend passes are now available for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival 2022 in Dauphin, Manitoba. By phone at 204-622-4600 or online at cnuf.ca.
Mickey and Bunny from their 24 Greatest Hits and Uhorach Karpatach in the Carpathian Mountains. And before them was the Interlake Polka Kings and Ward Allen's Polka. You've been listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio, our flagship show in Vancouver, which comes to you Saturdays from 6 to 7 p.m. right here on AM 1320 CHMB on the radio dial and online at am1320.com, as well in international syndication via PCJ Radio International. In between broadcasts, please visit us online at www.noshholos.com, where you'll find archived audio files. I love to hear from you, so please send your suggestions, dedications, and requests. Your comments are always welcome. And our proverb of the week translates as constructive criticism builds, destructive criticism destroys. Well, with that, we've come to the end of our program. So to wrap it up, we've got some talent from right here in the Lower Mainland, the Ukrainian Prairie Band from the Fraser Valley, and the classic Who Stole a Kishka. I'm Pavlina. On behalf of all of us here at Nasholos, thanks so much for listening, and Dobranich!
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.